Welcome to the Everyday Ministry Podcast, where ministers get together to discuss everyday ministry. Welcome to the Everyday Ministry Podcast. This is James White. I am the pastor at Lighthouse Community Church. Hey, and this is Chris Norsworthy. I'm one of the associate pastors and elders at Reformation Church in Baker, Louisiana. Chris, how is everything going your way this week? Everything's great. We just finished up VBS, so I'm recuperating. Got a lot of rest over the weekend, but other than that, everything's pretty good. Now, were you a mad scientist doing this thing, or (laughs) what was going on with that? I was just a regular scientist (laughs) who who, uh, had just a really horrible uh, Russian-slash-German-slash-French accent, but the children enjoyed it, so um, I was Professor Beard. No, Dr. Beardsman. Dr. Beardsman. Dr. Beardsman. Okay. Did you mean for your name to be that, or was that like the name that came with the material? The the name that came with the material was Dr. Mister, and I just thought that that sounded horrible. So uh, my wife and I were the hosts, basically. You know, we did the openers and the closers and stuff. Uh, So I just told her to call me Dr. Beardsman because I thought it'd be funny. Well, that's awesome. So you're (laughs) telling me that VBS is something that can still be utilized for the good of God's kingdom, right? Oh, right. Yeah, I don't know if some people are anti-VBS, but at least I think that the way that our church does it, and I'm sure many churches do it, uh, I think it's beneficial. We get to reach a lot of the neighborhood kids and stuff who otherwise, and, and their parents, who otherwise wouldn't have don't come to church um, and they got to hear the gospel presented and uh, all kinds of, you know, just be in fellowship or with Christians that they otherwise wouldn't have. Well, that's awesome. We have the opportunity to have the other guys on the podcast for the listeners out there. We actually plan on discussing VBS in the in our upcoming episodes. We are actually looking at doing that one for tonight, but my church doesn't do VBS. We just don't have any children at all in our church <laughs> except for four-year-old and down, and mm. so we just never started it yet. And so when we get the other guys on here that do VBSs at their church, we may chop up that conversation. But everything's going good in my end. Just been a busy week of doing systematic theology. Oh. I am a glutton for punishment sometimes, and that is taking classes during the summer that should be about 14 weeks long and taking it in about an eight-week time span. I guess that's who I am as a person. <laughs> I just I love difficult things sometimes. So, But as we get into the conversation about bivocational ministry, what we see is that the term bivocational ministry is kind of one that as me and Chris were talking earlier, we were like, you know, how do you really define what a bivocational minister is? And I know there's a lot of conversation and discussion on that, but really what comes to my mind is an example of it that we see in Scripture. We don't see a lot about it in Scripture, but we do see a few examples, and one specifically is found in Acts chapter 18, verses 1 through 4. And it says this, After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. He found a Jew named Aquila and a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy, with his wife, Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome, and he went to see them. And because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greek. Um, And the reason why we see this as an example of bivocational ministry is that what we see that what Paul was doing in this specific moment, and we see this throughout his ministry, or we assume this throughout his ministry, Mm -hmm. is that Paul actually financed himself to some extent because he did have the trade of tent making. 
And so he would work on the side to make a living as he ministered the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so, but today, when we kind of define a bivocational minister, what it really means is that someone that takes an income at the church as well as a secular job. Now, I think so often you also see where there's not only bivocational ministers, but you also see uh, trivocational and different things of that nature. (laughs) And then you also see part-time ministers or even like yourself, Chris, you know, you're not bivocational minister, but you're technically a lay leader in the church, which is very similar in, in theory because... A bivocational minister is one that has committed the secular job as well as the church job. But for a lay elder as yourself, you know, you're committed to the the church as well as your secular job, even though you may not receive an income from the church itself. So really, the principles that we're going to be discussing really fall hand in hand with even your situation. And to be honest with you, probably even to an even farther extent of of what a bivocational minister is, because not only do we get paid to do it, but you do it for free, right? You are committed to being an elder of the church without an income. And so as we get into the conversation, just to define what a bivocational ministry is, it's one that is two vocations, that it works for the church as well as a secular job. Or, you know, people like me and Chris, where we are working jobs as well as committed to the church and then go to school and uh, different things of that nature. Hey, before we get into the discussion, I, I wanted to ask you, James, I know that you work at the post office or for the post, the United States Postal Service, but yeah. what do you actually do outside of the church? Okay, so I work for the post office and I've done two different jobs for the post office. Uh, to begin with, I used to deliver mail. So I would get into my truck and I would drive about 120 miles for about six hours a day and deliver mail. But now I actually have the joy and privilege to work in a post office. And so what I do is I go to work at 720 every day Mm -hmm. and I work for four hours. And so I have it made really because I work in an air conditioned building. I work four hours a day and I'm home at lunchtime. I mean, I, I just, I don't think I could have it any better because specifically what comes to mind is so many pastors out there that not only are they pastoring their church, but they have jobs where they're working full-time hours. Or right. I have a buddy of mine that he's a pastor. He was actually the pastor of the last church I was at when I served as a youth pastor, and he worked for UPS. Hmm. And I'm talking like 10 hours a day. I mean, it's crazy stuff. And yeah. so when it comes to a bivocational ministry, I personally would say that I've been blessed by the job that I have. Yeah, well, that's awesome. Our pastor at our church is bivocational, so he's he he does at this point he does a lot of um, he'll cut grass or you know he 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 does insulation uh, or you know specs like sell like selling it like being a middleman I guess to some extent and just different jobs like that. So he his his schedule is able to be a little bit looser. In different times of the year, it's a little bit busier or not. Personally, I I do work full time doing video and graphic design at the company that I work for. But I am blessed that I have I only work four like I work four tens. Um, and it's on top of that, it's pretty laid back with my schedule. So it does give. I, I mean, I have a great job flexibility and being able to also do ministry as well. So so I'm I'm pretty blessed in that aspect as well. Well, I think um. One reason this conversation is so important to me is I've been reading this book called Small Church Excellent Ministry, and it's actually it's a book that is called a guidebook for pastors, and it was written by a lot of the staff at New Orleans, and it's okay. one I'm having to read for that class. And the point they make is um, they did a study a few years back that I think it's um, somewhere around 70, 75 percent of the churches in the Southern Baptists are 150 or less in attendance. And really because of that, I think we see that most pastors, especially youth pastors and then uh, music pastors or children's ministers and things of that nature are bivocational, meaning that they have to have a job outside of the church to support their family. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, I think that so often, maybe not as much in today's society, but in years past, I remember a lot of people would try to get job, a church like this and they would move up the ladder and eventually, you know, they would make it to that full time position in ministry. Mm-hmm. 
But I think this is becoming more of the norm in our churches. I think we see it more often now than, and I don't think it's going to change. I think we're going to begin to see this even more. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And um, I, I've wondered that myself, how I don't think there is a large population of full-time, you know, percentage-wise of, of full-time ministers. A lot of churches, maybe they're their lead pastors full-time, but everybody else is either completely volunteer or bivocational. Um, and I've wondered that in, um, just in the future, even in the next 10 years or so, what's that going to look like? Um, and, you know, not even <laughs> partly from a political sense, even wondering of the whole, uh, eventually they, they remove the churches, tax exemptions and all these kind of things. Yeah. You know, what, what is that, you know, 20, 30 years, 40 years, what, however long, it may take to do that because I know a lot of people are pushing for that or a minority are. I think it's a growing minority. How will there be full-time ministry or ministers and will churches even be set up in the way that they are right now in terms of finances? And I would think not by that point, but sorry, that's maybe a rant. <laughs> I've gone off the deep end there. Well, but to, to even play off that though, that I think we're actually seeing a growth in people that are choosing to be bivocational. And I think I would include myself in that to some extent, mainly in the idea of where I'm serving at right now, because the church I'm at right now, we're in a town of 2000 Mm -hmm. and we run about 30 people on Sunday morning, sometimes 35, 40, depends on the week. Sometimes it's 10, you know, it just depends on what's going on. And, you know, I've, I've asked myself this question several times is, you know, what if our church grew to, you know, 80, 90 people and, you know, then it might be able to support me, you know, as a full-time minister or something of that nature. Mm-hmm. And as long as the church was okay with it, I've made the decision that at this location specifically, what I would do is I would stay by vocational so that we could employ other men to fill certain roles in the church mm-hmm. because I can't lead worship. I mean, right. I can't sing. I can't play the guitar. <laughs> Um, I, I mean, let's just go back to the fact that I can't sing. Um, I could probably play the guitar better than I could sing and I can't play the guitar at all. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, as me and Chris was talking before we got started recording, I'm definitely not good with kids. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I could teach them <laughs> if I got to, but it ain't my, it ain't my gifting, you know? And yeah. so and then not only that, but you know, you think about the idea of being a full-time minister and taking a salary of a full-time minister, Versus that, you could almost employ, you know, two or three other men, you know, two or three men in general that can be over a certain position in the church and making sure people are equipped in that area. And so we not only see the need for bivocational ministry, I think we also see that some people are choosing that that path anyway. Yeah, I think along those lines, I mean, I've always, you know, wondered that myself personally, if I were ever in that position, which I haven't been, so I haven't had to worry about it, but <laughs> were ever offered to me. But then also I think about church planners and how church planning has movement, if you want to call it that, has been popular lately or been a growing thing lately um, where many people you know, they're just, they're going out and planning churches and putting churches where there hadn't been churches before, um, possibly. And these are smaller churches. These are churches that are having, that they are, the pastors are working full-time jobs and, uh, some of them going to seminary, you know, doing much like you are right now, uh, to some degree where they, you know, they're going out, planning churches and they, the, the, the income to those churches, especially with churches that are targeting, younger people um, who just don't have as much or don't give as much, but often don't have as much to give. So, you know, if you're pastoring a church and I've done that before too, you know, trying to plan a church where all of the other than one family, everybody was under 30. So, you know, the financial situation there versus a financial situation of a church that's been there for a long time with a, a variety of income levels and age groups uh, like that's that's you know you're taking on a whole different ballgame there and just with the expectation of of having to work and i think that for me it's i'm glad that i've been able to have a job that even in the long run it, it's a quite it's a flexible type job uh industry that i work in where i could work for a variety of different places and be in different cities or towns or whatever and and still have that to fall back on if needed well that's why now i'm only 26 so i don't want to 
come across <laughs> as I'm this wise man or anything like that. But I went to school and um, after my went to junior college, I went and got my bachelor's in pastoral ministry and now working on my seminary degree from uh, New Orleans. And I'm about halfway through with that. And as I talk to younger guys, and I know I'm only 26, so younger is not that much younger. <laughs> but when I talk to other guys that don't have bachelor's yet, and they're mm-hmm. debating on going to Bible college for ministry. Right. Um, one of my number one advice for them is that if you plan on getting your master's, get your bachelor's in something vocationally, you know, get it in teaching or computer computer science or engineering or something of that nature so that you can yeah. actually get a job and then do ministry as you're working and then go back to school for your seminary because somebody like myself, you know, I work at the post office, which I'm blessed to have that job, but I'm just going to be real. I don't have that many talents that I can fall (laughs) back on. And so I have to work whatever I can get, you know? And so that's my advice to people now is, you know, bivocational ministry is something that is up and coming and it's just a reality of where we're at in society. So get you a job and something that can pay the bills and feed your family. Mm -hmm. And then you can work on, you know, seminary and things of that nature afterward. Um, Yeah. And And I mean, I think that it's a thing that God may not have that for you, but many people, you just never know. So I think that it's also a good thing to have something to fall back on, just even if it's not going to be the rest of your life if it's in between things or in hard times you know uh, financially for a church you may be at the same church for 30 years but you may have to go in and out of being like bivocational which which happens to people Um, or you know or you know thinking about someone in the position of yourself you know you have god's calling on your life to be a pastor but it hasn't been in the cards for you to be a paid pastor yet mm-hmm. so you serve him uh, as a lay elder in the church and that's just a reality right that's just something yeah. you know god's got that calling on your life but you feel called to where you're at you feel called to serve that church but they can't pay you mm-hmm. and so you mean you know obviously we're not in what we're doing for the money so right. you know we have to be ready to serve the lord the way that he has it for us Without being paid. And I, I think most pastors are there. I don't think, I don't know many pastors that pastor churches for the pay. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I think I could think of so much more things you could do for better pay. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, uh, neither, neither of my jobs. <laughs> that's what I'm saying, right? I mean, but, you know, as we think about vocational ministry, though, man, I, obviously there's some good things that come with it. There's some bad things that come with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as we kind of think through some of those, I think it's so easy for us to start with the bad. So let's just start there, you know. So obviously the bad things about vocational ministry is, you know, it's, you know, I think back to, I guess it was two or three weeks ago. It was just one of those weeks where, you know, my job was busy. My life was busy. The church, you know, different people got sick. I had to visit people. And then not only that, I had to cut grass. I had to do these things, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Right. And before I even realized it, it was Thursday and it was Thursday and all I have done for my sermon for Sunday is read Psalms. I think it was 14 at the time. Mm-hmm. The, only, the only thing that I did had read it like three or four times that week. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't wrote down anything for the sermon. I haven't prepared anything for the sermon. And so that's obviously a case, right? Is that um, one of the negatives of being bivocational is that you're exactly that. You're not doing that full time every day. So there may be weeks where you, you're looking at the text on Thursday for the first time or you haven't wrote down anything. And then I think about yourself, you know, like you said, you and your wife were kind of helping with VBS that week. Mm-hmm. You still had to work your full time job that week, right? Right. So, yeah. And that's the thing. So we did our VBS in the evenings. So six to eight thirty. But then also I am. So I'm <laughs> uh, I'm one of the like one of the elders there. Um, but I'm also like an artistic person, right? So I, I was in charge of doing all the decorations or at least over, overseeing them as well uh, for the stage and the, the main 
well, we never know what to call it, the sanctuary, the auditorium. It's a yeah. room that seats 100 people. It's not an auditorium. But So I was in charge of doing all that, like painting all kinds of stuff um, the week before. And um, my wife and I were hosting it. So, so yeah, I mean, I was going to work 730 in the morning, then going pick up my family after work and then going there, getting to church by five, prepping, setting up. Um, and then we were leaving there at nine o'clock every night, you know, with the kids and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, we did that for a week straight. Um, and I'm not the only one, uh, you know, so many other people in our, in our church were volunteering and helping and stuff like that. But on top of that, you know, we still got the classes to prepare to teach and, you know, the other pastoral things that go along with it. So yeah, it's, it can be a lot to manage. So obviously when we think about being bivocational, you know, the number one thing when it comes to being negative that comes out is the fact that we don't have the same time as somebody that is full time. Right. Can you think of any other kind of negatives that just come naturally to you when thinking about vocational ministry? I mean, I, yeah, I think that time is definitely the number one thing. And I'm sure that there's other things that probably mostly would just stem from time. Yeah. Um, because there's being able to dedicate a certain amount of time in large chunks to preparation of, you know, what you're going to teach or what you're going to preach time for people, time for all of those things that I think that it bleeds into many different areas and many different aspects. But for me, it, it's mostly time. Yeah. Um, and, and I guess balancing life in general, just, it's just, you don't just have one job to balance. And <laughs> I mean, I know a lot of people have hobbies I've heard, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we, I have a job and I have ministry and I have my family and having to balance all three of those things and not having, uh, and then somehow it, a lot of that blends in together at the same time. I don't know. What about you? I think like you just said, I think, uh, yeah, I think it really all stems from the time aspect, but I think the biggest thing is, you know, making time for your family with the work you have to do when you get home, when it comes to ministry, because mm-hmm. so often, you know, it's just me and my wife right now. We don't have any children or anything of the nature. Um, and like I said, I get home at, you know, lunchtime every day, but so often it can be eight o'clock before I even realize that I've been in my office all day mm-hmm. and that, you know, the only time that I stepped out was when my wife got home or when we sat down and ate dinner together. And, So I think the biggest struggle is making time for family uh, in the evening rather than because you aren't full time. So you can't, the things that you would be doing during the day, you have to do at some point. And unfortunately, you only have the time to do it in the evening. And so I think that's the biggest negatives. I mean, I I don't want to be negative when we're thinking about vocational (laughs) because it's such a, a reality for so many people. But I think we have to see the negatives if we're going to learn from them and fix them. And so what are some things that we can do and apply that would prevent us from, you know, allowing these negatives to take over, I guess? For me, I try to be as aware of what I need to be doing as much as possible. So I use multiple apps, calendar app, uh, notes app, Trello app, like all these kind of things to keep my keep myself structured <laughs> yeah uh, I, I try to keep myself structured and partly like yeah i think it's it's a nice way to live but mostly because i have so many things to do that that if i would just go crazy and the things wouldn't get done that needed to get done so i think in terms of you know things that i quote unquote have to do for work or church or whatever i have to have those all written down and to stay on top of them yeah but then also trying man, this is going to sound cheesy but reminding myself and allowing myself to live in the moment whenever i can because i also have to understand that god gave me a life to live right now yeah and if it's with family if it's with friends or church members or whatever i have to remember that I'm, i have to live it's not these big tentpole moments i'm not my life isn't a schedule, even though I can try to schedule my life. Mm-hmm. I have to, I have to free myself to just live sometimes, yeah. well, um, and to be a human, you know? Well, I think that's um, so important because I think people tend to be one or two ways. They, they tend to be either really scheduled. And so mm-hmm. they have to, like you're saying, allow yourself to be a human or <laughs> they're nothing but human and they don't yeah. have any discipline when it comes to scheduling. 
And it's, I think it's that finding that balance of really how to put the two things together. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm the opposite. Like I'm so much better at living my day to day life, you know, <laughs> stopping and seeing somebody or, you know, cutting grass or doing whatever and not scheduling mm-hmm. anything. And so if I don't schedule, I don't get anything done. Right. And I'm the type too, where one of the things I have to do to prevent kind of a lack of productivity is I have to go to a coffee shop a couple of days a week and do my work there. Mm-hmm. Because if I come home and try to do stuff, I see that the dishes need washed or yeah. I need to weed eat something or whatever the case may be at the house. And so yeah. I have to go somewhere in quietness and sit down and sit there. Like today, I sat in the coffee shop from 12 o'clock to 4 o'clock before I realized, hey, maybe I need to go home at some point. But I got more done today than I did last Friday because I wasn't at the house trying to do something. Yeah, and that's the thing, you know, I mean, I do that as well, or to go to the library or something like yeah. that, just because it's a th- it's something that's away from all of my other responsibilities or anything that I have to do. Um, and setting aside a large chunk of time, you can actually, you know, if you set aside four hours to do something or to do things, you can actually get a lot more done in those four hours than trying to set aside four separate hours yeah. Like four consecutive hours, you're going to get more done than yes. you are in four just segregated hours throughout the week or whatever. Well, especially when it comes to my sermon prep, that's what I have mm-hmm. to do. I can't just put four separated times in my week to prepare for yeah. a sermon because I need a good consecutive, at least four or five hours twice or three times a week to really mm-hmm. prepare a sermon each week because my brain don't get going good until about 30 <laughs> minutes in. So, yeah. So we've talked about the negative and kind of how to, to prevent some of these things. And I think that's a, I think it's good to recognize the negative. I, I'm a, maybe people may think I'm a negative person because man, I, I evaluate the, the service every week. I, I take criticism. Well, uh, I like to hear about the negatives. That's just who mm-hmm. I am. Maybe that's not a good thing, but it is what it is. <laughs> Well, it's easier to point out the negative sometimes if somebody says, I mean, for me, I've noticed like you can get people to tell you negative things easier than they can. If they like something, they're just like, I'll like it. But if they don't like something, they can pretty much tell you why they don't like it. <laughs> exactly. Well, I guess in my mind is I don't, I can't learn from anything unless I think of the negative. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't, I mean, if I'm taking what is good about it, I can't change what is good because it's good. <laughs> But if it's bad, I can work on that. Right. But to move from negative to positive, because we don't want to end on like a a down note. But what do you see of the benefits of bivocational? None. No kidding. (laughs) None. There's nothing good about bivocational ministry. No, I'm playing. There's obviously some good things. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I think we did touch a little bit on this um, when the first time I was on talking about lay eldership. Yeah. Um, But for me, some of the benefits. Um, that I can name, like, you know, maybe I don't like, I can't spend all my time doing church related stuff, although I, I kind of would like to, but on the other hand, I do go to a job and my income is able to help support the ministry rather than the other way around. And I'm fine with that because whether if I was in ministry or not, that's my income would be doing that. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's a benefit that I'm able to, to both give my time and give financially to the, to the ministry of the church. Most definitely. And then just to avoid the, the obvious ones, I guess the thing that really comes to my mind is that your income is not wrapped in just the church itself. And so we all know, I think everybody listening knows. And if you don't know, I'm sorry to let this cat out of the bag, but sometimes ministry is not good, right? Sometimes there's situations that we may find ourselves in that are negative and toxic situations and that um, mm-hmm. that we may find ourselves outside of ministry. You know, if it may be our, by our own fault or the fault of individuals in a church. And so if those moments arise and we're no longer serving in that specific church, you know, if you are bivocational, your income's not wrapped completely into that one vocation. Yeah. And so you're able to still provide for your family outside of the church when not depending just on that. It's kind of like, you know, you get the hold. I actually saw it on um, Babylon B last week. I don't know if you saw this one, but it talked about it was the church uh, expressed that they were paying the pastor too much after he bought a 1999 <laughs> 
a Honda Accord. And um, <laughs> what was so funny about it is like me and my wife just bought a car like that mm. same day that I saw that article. <laughs> and I was laughing. I was like, well, I guess they can't say it to me because we, we're bi-vocational. But I yeah. think that is it too, you know. not Like my church is not bad at all. I don't want to act like that's anything what anybody would say at my church but because they wouldn't at all. But I have been a part of churches that would. Yeah. Somebody would make the comment, even if it was just jokingly, yeah. well, I guess we're paying the pastor too much. He bought that nice car, you know. Right. And I guess you don't have to hear about that as much if you're bivocational. Yeah. And I think that I guess it kind of makes me think of two different things. Of, of one, because I do have, a, like for me, because I have a full-time job, I can choose to go to whatever church I want to freely. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, and I don't mean that in a negative way, but I'm not tied financially to a church. I guess that's kind of what maybe you were alluding to earlier, which is not, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. If you're a full-time minister, that's great. I may be someday. And, you know, if that's what God has for me, that's awesome. Um, but, you know, you, you do hear people who are in, or in churches where like, the deacon board is just trying to destroy their life. And, mm-hmm. um, and I think most of those people aren't staying in there for financial reasons. They're staying there because they love the ministry, but you know, you got it. Like you said, if, if, if that is your job, if that is your vocation, you do have to consider your family and stuff like that. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but for me right now, I can freely, I could like, I could choose to go to the church that I went to right now because mm-hmm. I wasn't on staff anywhere um, and they needed to be and they needed help. So it, it that is having a job and not needing to be paid because that is kind of how the conversation went with pastor. At one point I told him like, hey, if you if you ever know of anybody who's looking for somebody like I, like I'm open to it, you know, to, to moving to another church, if that's where God calls me and it's somebody and they need somebody. Because at the time I was like a pastoral intern at a church, but not like, you know, I had some ministry responsibilities, but was looking to, to help more. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he was like, okay, I'll let you know. And then he texted me back later. He's like, we're kind of looking for somebody. Um, I forgot how the conversation went, but basically he said something along the lines of like, at first he thought I was, I was looking for a job. Yeah. And then once he realized that I wasn't looking for a job, he was like, uh, we could use somebody. <laughs> um, so that's the reason I was even able to go there and to come to the church that I'm at right now. It's a great church. I love the church money or not. I'm able to be here. And I think that there's probably some people who feel stuck yeah. at churches that they're at, or they feel, I think there's, I'm sure there's somebody who, who feels like they can't maybe fully be themselves or fully express themselves in one way or another because it is Mm -hmm. their job. And I don't think that's the case for most people, but you know, for me, I'm not in that position. Well, I've heard of several pastors and if it's right or wrong, we could, we could argue about it, I guess. And, but I think that uh, people, pastors find themselves at this place more often than we actually want to admit, but I've talked to several pastors that found themselves in a toxic situation mm-hmm. in a hard situation, but they're so afraid to leave the church because if there's a gap in between your ministry positions that it, some churches won't even look at you. Right. Now, obviously me and you and everybody on the podcast would disagree with that mindset of churches that if just because somebody has a blank spot in their resume, doesn't mean something negative. But I've talked to plenty of pastors there. They're just so afraid to leave where they're at because they're afraid that they won't find somewhere else. I mean, Hmm. and so I think I do think that's a that's a positive, you know, that you are free. Um, But I think one thing you touched on, and it's really kind of what we touched on, like you said when we did that episode on lay eldership, is that because of you being a lay elder you were able to step in and bless that church where they couldn't financially support another minister, but they had the need for somebody. And that's mm-hmm. a benefit in and of itself. And I think that uh, scripture is clear that uh, God will bless you and your family. And I think he has through the jobs you have and things of that nature. Um, now, not to, you know, just to point out the obvious uh, benefit of being bivocational is, you know, as a bivocation minister, I get to talk to people that are not believers pretty Mm -hmm. regular because of my job. 
right. that I wouldn't get to meet any other way. If I went to an office every day, I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't talk to them. I couldn't share the gospel with them. I couldn't meet them. I mean, that's just a reality to it. So I think one of the biggest benefits of being bivocational is the opportunity that that individual has of meeting new people. Yeah. And I think that these are points that we, I didn't jump into because we did kind of talk about some of yeah. this the last time. Um, I think that it's pastors who are full time. They have to purposely go out of their way to be yeah. away, to be outside of their, either like their family or their church bubble. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and maybe their family bubble or their church bubble is full of heathens, but <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> um, depending on the church. But we kind of work, we're compelled to because we must. Um, so, like, I, I think that on one hand, it's we get to be around people who aren't in church all the time. So, um, that's a benefit for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also, the benefit for us is that we, aren't removed from like, we're still in the world, but not of the world. And we're in the world a little bit more than a full-time pastor would be who just naturally every day, because we're going to work every day. Um, Whereas a full-time minister, full-time pastor has to, you know, I mean, in some sense there have, they would have to be doing something else in order to put themselves in a situation with non-church people. And that could be sports. It could be whatever, you know, uh, extracurricular activities, whatever they're doing. Um, But they, you know, it's, it's built into our lifestyle. Well, and to take that step, that one, just a step farther. And though this may not be the right way and may not be the case, should be the case, but I know like in a current, my current situation, especially with some men in the church um, having a job outside of the church will actually cause you to be able to connect with them in a, in a better way than you could if you were just in the office every day. That mm-hmm. If I was in the office every day, they may not think I understand what they're going through at their job or the yeah. circumstances that they live through. Um, and I think it's actually a benefit for me because I actually think about my church and this is kind of odd, but I actually have, two other people and then one person that comes every now and then in my church that works for the post office. <laughs> so I can relate to two of them from the bat, you know what I'm yeah. saying? And so I think that's a benefit as well. And so, but man, I, I think this is a, a good conversation to have and I, I don't want to rush us or anything of that nature, but I think that um, we're, we want to kind of be aware of the listener's time and we're getting towards the end of the podcast. And we may revisit this topic with the other guys at some point, because I think this is a topic that uh, we can just hash out time in and time out. Uh, just to really encourage somebody that finds themselves in this ministry position. Yeah. Because I think as me and you both expressed that this is the normative for a lot of men in ministry. And, um, and so before we get to the plugs of the week, I just want to encourage any pastor out there or maybe even a lay leader in the church, you know, God has you in your vocation for a reason and a purpose. I think of the gospel command to go therefore and make disciples that we find in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Uh, I know my church gets tired of me talking about that, but that's, but I, I, I listen to that command and I read it and, and I, I can't help but think, and I know this may not be correct, uh, greek translation and that's okay i'll take greek in the fall and they can work it out of me then but this idea of go therefore is this principle of that in everything that we do we should be sharing the gospel and as you see in a lot of traditions and a lot of catechisms is that what man's chief end is to glorify god in all that we do Mm -hmm. and so God has put you in the vocation he has you for a reason and a purpose. And that reason and purpose is ultimately to bring glory to himself, but also so that you can proclaim his good news to those men and women that you encounter. And that may look like late night Friday and Saturdays where you may not have had the time to pour into your sermon Monday through Wednesday. And you're finally 
able to now and it may be 12 o'clock on a Friday night and you're preparing your sermon as you have been in the last few hours and you may be tired and exhausted and ready to give up, but God has a reason and a purpose that he has placed you in. And so just find joy in the circumstances he's placed you in. Chris, anything you want to add before we do plugs of the week? Yeah, I just want I just want to add a a, a caveat, I guess, that we weren't talking bad about full-time ministers or full-time ministry at all. Um, Cause I know we did talk about a lot of lit and negatives and stuff like that. So I just want to make sure that the listener understands that we weren't coming against anybody who is a full-time minister um, because we're just talking about our personal experiences and what we're doing right now. Oh, by all means. I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. About half of my week, sometimes I'm like, man, I wish I was full time. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think about how much stuff I could get done all the time. <laughs> if, exactly, if I did, yeah. and there's so many benefits to that. So uh, yeah, I'm not trying to uh, come against full time ministers at all uh, in any way, no shape, or form. We may have to have a few guys on the podcast one one week and kind of discuss full time ministry. Yeah, uh, well, they we have to think the- about it. We can think about it in practice, but we don't know. None of us yeah. have ever been full time, so yeah. we don't know well, what that's like. <laughs> well, they they have the time to podcast, so they it shouldn't be too hard to get them <laughs> on here. <right? laughs> they they may not want to do it at nine o'clock at night. Though. Yeah, <laughs> scheduling all of us has been pretty fun. Yeah. All two of us. That's right. The plug that I have for us this week is um, it may not seem like it's not an actual book plug or a podcast plug or anything of that nature, but it's just something that I have found extremely beneficial in my life as a pastor. And it's um, the idea of preaching through books of the Bible. Not only do I believe that this is the best way to do it practically and biblically and all of that, and we may talk about that one day, of why expositionally preaching through books is the best way of approaching uh, our preaching schedule. But practically, the reason why I want to recommend this this week is if you um, if you don't do that now, if you don't always practice that now, one benefit that I have seen in my personal life being a bivocational minister is that whenever I get through preaching Sunday, I know what text I'm preaching that next Sunday. Mm-hmm. So like, for example, this past Sunday, I preached Psalm 18. And as I'm working through the Psalms during the summer, Chris, you may be you may be good enough to do this kind of math. If I preach Psalm 18 this week and I'm going book by book in order, what am I preaching next Sunday? Oh man, uh, Psalm. What was it? 18. Yeah, that's what I preached. Or one one eighteen. No, eighteen. <laughs> uh, nineteen. Yeah, exactly. So I know exactly what I'm preaching next week. And as I expressed earlier, you know, I think back a few weeks ago, whenever I, you know, it was Thursday before I really got to stop and to really pour into my sermon for that next Sunday. But the beautiful thing is I had done Reddit because mm-hmm. after I got through preaching Sunday, I knew what was coming next. So even though I hadn't put any sermon prep together, I've already been pouring into what that text is I'm preaching next week. And the beautiful thing about this is, is that, we're called to preach the whole counsel of God's word. So it's practical for us to preach through books. But anyway, we could talk about that subject in a different day, but that's my advice. Try preaching through books. If you don't already do that, maybe you're a youth pastor and you're like, how do I preach through books? Maybe you don't preach through a book. Maybe you just teach the youth through a book or something of that nature. Anyway, Chris, what's your plug of the week? Uh, My plug of the week is uh, Facebook live. Um, it's, uh, it's something that we've started doing recently at our church. Um, and it's really simple and really easy to do it. You can just use a phone with the Facebook app. If you have a Facebook page for your church, you can just turn it on, press the video button and start recording and have your sermon that's being preached live as it is, and then save to your Facebook page. Um, and I think the great benefit of it is that all of your members aren't always able to be at church every week. Many members possibly aren't at your church because well, for one thing, they, they're not, they're not deathly ill, but they also just don't didn't feel well enough to go into church or, you know, they didn't want to share a virus or whatever. <laughs> In a lot of smaller churches, you bring a virus 
her church you know you get somebody sick and then it's just going to go around for three months right yeah. um, so the, the wise people will stay home and this gives an opportunity for people who don't podcast who don't go to the special page where you upload the audio of your sermons that they can they're probably using facebook though most of the people are probably using facebook so it's a, it's a place where they already are and it's free to use you can just post it and it's there uh, you don't really have to do anything special. You can get special with it, but you don't have to do anything special with it. And I think that that's a great benefit. And I think it outweighs any negative concerns of people skipping church just to watch the sermon at home. I don't really think that's a big issue. I think it's going to be more beneficial for those people who are already members and for possibly people who aren't members who would then, you know, be able to see and hear uh, the word preached. Man, to kind of piggyback off that you know we've actually been doing it for a while at our church and jamie is the one that normally does that every week mm-hmm. and kind of gets it started and we don't have wi-fi at our church and you just do it over cell phone service mm-hmm. so you don't have to have anything we finally yeah. bought a stand to use instead of <laughs> uh, rigging a mic stand up but you know <laughs> i find in like my church context we have a, a good portion of our church that are emts and things of that nature mm-hmm. And so they have to work some Sundays. Yeah. And so one benefit for us is that they can go back and watch the service where they weren't able to because of their vocation. Yeah. Um, but one advice I want to give is um, a few weeks back, uh, Jamie was uh, sick, so he wasn't able to be at church. And I had to do the YouTube, the Facebook live off my phone. Mm-hmm. And I put my phone on the 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 screen lock where it doesn't rotate, and so if you are going to do Facebook Live, yes. make sure you take that off because if not, it records like sideways the whole time. Mm-hmm. And so I had so many complaints from just different people that week of like I had to turn my head sideways to, to watch the video. And well, see those there's those negative comments you like to hear. That's right, man. I I grew from it. Now I know that somebody else should do for the Facebook live and not me. Yeah. That's what I learned from that experience. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, th- I think it's great. I think it's beneficial. And I know many people who have benefited from it greatly, whether it be a nursery worker um, or yeah. like you said, a shift worker or, or just an elderly person who doesn't get out very often, you know, any, any number of those kind of people who benefit well, from it. That, I think. One thing that our church is doing with that. And I may, we may edit this out. I'm not sure, but just me and you talking. One thing my church is doing is that is like, so we, at our church right now, we have two women that are pregnant uh-huh. and one that just had a baby like a month ago. And so we do have like hot spots at our church. We don't have any like central Wi Fi. And we also have a few TVs that have uh, Amazon Fire Sticks in the, on them. Okay. And so one thing we've done is taking our women's. Wednesday night small group class and we've taken the fire stick and made it to where the Facebook live can come on that TV. And what okay. we do is have that as like a, a nursing room for the mothers yeah. that it have to have to leave to, you know, nurse their babies That's so cool. that they can watch the service live while it's going on while they nurse their babies. Yeah. And That's we awesome. haven't had anybody took the opportunity yet, but we have <laughs> but there. <laughs> Maybe I should push it more and tell them it's there. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, I think it's cool. And like, like I said, it's free. So, I mean, you're not losing anything if you do it. Um, even if you don't gain anything, you're not losing anything by it. Well, also what's really cool is it, it actually records the audio pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how that works, but it does. And, you know, maybe you don't have the ability to record the, the sound each sermon. You can actually go on when you're on a computer on the Facebook page of the church, you can actually go on there and download the audio from that video and you could upload that into your sermons if mm. you wanted to. And so you can actually archive them from the Facebook live, which is really oh, cool as well. I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah. So that's, that's cool. kind of cool too. It gives you another opportunity if you want to save the videos and yeah. keep them for your benefit. But we hope that this conversation has been both beneficial and encouraging to you as bivocational pastors. And, um, as we move forward in this week, uh, in this year of podcasting, uh, one thing that we would love from you guys is that if you have a specific topic or question that you want us to address or talk about, 
uh, reach out to us. If it's privately on one of our Facebook pages, email, or maybe if it's on the post that you see that's on Facebook or whatever the case may be, but reach out to us and we'll be more than happy to talk about a specific topic or answer a specific question. Now, we're a bunch of guys that we don't know everything and we don't pretend to know everything. Um, but we can either do a fantastic job answering something or we can do a horrible job answering something. And I can't guarantee which one it'll be, but it would be one of the two. Um, well, sometimes we may fall in the middle, right? Yeah. We, may, we may not do bad, but we didn't do great. Um, but we'll, we'll try and do our best and we'll answer questions to the best of our ability. And if we don't know the answers, we'll just tell you we don't know. Um, but guys, we hope that you've enjoyed this episode and, uh, Chris, you got anything you want to add before we jump off here? Uh, no, just that everyone should be a minister every day. Oh, that's, I was trying to come up with a tagline. It didn't work. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> oh man. Oh, we got to get these new guys trained. I guess. Um, it's okay though. Cause I think you've been on more episodes than Corey. So. <laughs> Uh, we just love hating on Corey. It's fun. <laughs> but this has been the Everyday Ministry Podcast, and we're a podcast where everyday ministers get together to talk about ministry. If you're encouraged by what you hear, please go like our Facebook page, share the episodes, and rate the podcast on iTunes. Don't forget that a new episode drops every first and third Mondays. Our prayer is that these episodes are an encouragement to you and that you would be faithful in the ministry that God has placed you in. Drags my back, bounce on two, stuck kicking, screaming, gotta get out.